Thank you, band, choir, praise team. So they make their way to their seats. Why don't you turn with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians, that's where we're going to turn to and read from today. At Newbridge Baptist Church, we want every person to love God, learn together, and serve others. We have been talking about this, our core statement for the last couple of weeks today. will kind of be the final focal point for this. Do this every, every couple of years. We really spend some time focusing on what our church's mission is, what our church's vision is. This is our purpose. Some churches have multiple statements. We have one. This is our statement. This is what we want to do here at Newbridge Baptist Church. At Newbridge Baptist Church, we want every person to love God through worship Learn together through small groups, serve others through missions and ministry. That's our goal. That's what we want to do. And we try to orchestrate things here in this ministry around these. Our children's ministry is centered on this. Our student ministry, our youth ministry is centered on this. At Newbridge, we want every person to love God through worship Learn together in small groups, serve others through missions and ministry. That's why in our student ministry, they focus on having their own worship time. They have their own small groups together, and they have their own service and ministry projects. In our children's ministry, they do the same. They love God through their own children's worship time. They learn together in their small groups, and they have some opportunity, not as many, but they have some where they serve others as well. This is what we want to do here at Newbridge Baptist Church. Now, where did this come from? It came from this passage from Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, from these verses 34 through 40, but I've abbreviated it a little bit and just said, these two statements that Jesus made when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now Luke adds on with all your strength as well. But this is what Jesus quoted, that Old Testament saying, said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is it. That's the greatest commandment. And, he said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. These two commandments, on these two, everything hangs. Everything is draped across these two commandments. They are the crux of everything in our Christian walk, our Christian life. If we can do these, love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves, we will fulfill most all of what God calls us to do. Now, here's how we said this plays out. I know this gets old, and you've seen it for the last couple of weeks, but I just want to keep reminding you, as we love God together in worship, and then as we learn together in small groups, and then as we start to serve others using our gifts and talents, what happens is those who don't know Christ, they are drawn into fellowship here. As we serve others and share the gospel with them, those who are not believers in Christ, they start getting connected because of the love of Christ that is shown through this body of Christ. They start getting connected. They They start coming to faith in Christ, and they start loving God and learning together and serving others. And the process continues in this cycle over and over and over again. This is the core of what we do here. Now, for the last two weeks, we've talked about loving God through worship. We've talked about worship and why this is a critical component of what we do. We've talked about learning together in small groups. 
why this is absolutely essential to what we do in life, doing life here at Newbridge Baptist Church. Today, we want to focus on serving others. We want to talk about serving others. In particular today, we're going to talk about some of the barriers that are around, some of the barriers that are in place. We want to break down those barriers to service. Now, we're going to read from Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to start reading at verse 5. And read all the way down through verse 11. So if you have your phone out, your tablet out, your Bible out, read along with me, starting at verse 5. And here's what it says. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, Jesus who was God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, Jesus wanted to humble himself. Verse 7, made himself of no reputation, and he took the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Short passage, but here's what we want to focus on today. We want to focus on breaking down barriers to service, to serving others. And I just want to tell you, after 30-plus years in ministry, this church is not unique in any way when it comes to service and those who volunteer to serve and those who use their gifts and those who give their time. We are very much similar. We are very similar to churches everywhere. Where there are some who volunteer their time, there are some who volunteer their service, there are some who use their gifts, and many others who are part of the ministry that don't. And as I've looked through the years in places where I've served, here, yes, here, and in other places, I've observed that there are some barriers that are in place to people serving. There are some things that are there that are blocking people from moving from worship, moving from their small groups where they're connected, where they have their fellowship, where they have their support, where they have their prayer time, moving from those into this place where I launch out and I start serving others. Now, I just thought I would share with you three in particular. There are more, I know, but these three were the three that kind of rose to the service, the three that popped to my, to my mind when I started thinking about what is it that keeps people from serving wholeheartedly in church here and other places? These three things, these three things kind of rose to the top of my mind. The first of all, first barrier that's in place is that you know, people oftentimes were just we're selfish. Now, I really don't mean to be offensive, but um, I'm just going to tell you as plainly as I can. One of the biggest barriers to people serving in the church today is selfishness. What's my time? Well, pastor, I, I work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. I need a day off. I need a day to myself. This is my time. Or, 
instead of serving somebody else, I got things that I need done. I need someone to serve me. I need someone to be there for me. Well, listen, Scripture is pretty plain and pretty clear on this particular topic when we start approaching things as if I'm the focus, as if I'm the one, as if it is my time, as if, as if it is my money and my resources. In Philippians chapter 2, before we, where we just started reading, Paul writing to the church in Philippi, and this is a church that Paul said, whenever I think about you, I have these fond memories, a smile comes to my face whenever I think about you. And he's writing to the church in Philippi, and he says to them, there is this problem that's happening within your fellowship. There are people who are starting to influence others, and there is this root of selfishness that's starting to take control, and you need to stop doing things out of selfish ambition or conceit. Conceit meaning that I'm better than somebody else. Somebody else needs to serve me instead of me serving someone else. And this root had started to take hold there in the church in Philippi, and Paul wants to squash this. The Holy Spirit wants to squash this there. They had such a place in his heart, and yet even there in that church, they were dealing with this issue. There was this barrier to people stepping out and giving of themselves and making themselves available and spending who they are and what they had and the resources and the time that they had available, and that barrier was selfishness. What are some of the barriers to service? Well, in order to break these barriers down, we've got to understand what some of them are. First of all, there's this barrier of selfishness. Secondly, there's this barrier of immaturity and entitlement. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, again, the Apostle Paul writing here, the Holy Spirit speaking through him. He said, when I was a child, and he goes on to say this a little lengthier than what I've said. But when I was a child, I used to act like a child. When I was a kid, I acted like a kid. But I became a man, and it was time for me to put away childish things. When I became a man, I needed to start acting like a man. When I became a grown-up, I needed to start doing grown-up things. When I was a child, I could do childish things. Can we just agree that in our culture, there are a lot of people who are the grown-ups who act too much like children. Can we just agree? Okay, maybe I don't get agreement, but I'm going to tell you, I just see it all the time. We've got parents who want to be their child's best friend. Your child doesn't need another friend. Your child needs a dad and a mom. It's time to put away childish things. Be friends with someone your own age. Be a dad and be a mom to your child. When I was a child, I used to act like a child. I used to think it was all about me. I used to think that everything was in place for me. I used to think that I was entitled to this. I had a right to this. This was my due. But, you know, when I got older, I realized that the world did not revolve around me, that the universe was not established for me that it's not all about me. There are so many others, so many others that the Lord calls me out to share the gospel with. Now, that's the entitlement side. The immaturity side is this, that often in churches, 
We have people who have been connected with church, people who have been followers of Christ for decades, who still don't know how they fit into the life and ministry of a church. They still don't know how to use their gifts, may not even know their gifts, may not even know what their spiritual gifts, their talents or abilities are, but don't know how they fit in within the life of the church. It just means that we haven't taken the initiative to learn how they can fit. We haven't attempted, we haven't tried to see if maybe I should teach. Well, I don't have any background in education. You know what? That may be a great thing. It may be wonderful that you don't have a background in education, you don't have a master's degree in education, because we're talking about teaching Sunday school, we're not talking about teaching SOLs. And there's a difference. The Holy Spirit speaking through you. Maybe it's time you took the step to try. Maybe it's time that you took the step to give a little extra of your time. Yes, your time. This immaturity and entitlement has become a real barrier in churches today. One last barrier that I see all the time. There's selfishness, there's immaturity, there's entitlement, and there's apathy. And just to be blunt, this is the biggest barrier that I find to people serving in the church today. We just don't care. Somebody else will set up the chairs. Somebody else will serve in the nursery. Somebody else will volunteer to work with our students, our teenagers. There's always somebody else. But in Revelation chapter 3, verse 16. Jesus speaking to the church in Laodicea, he said, you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were cold rather than being lukewarm. Because you are, I'll just spit you out of my mouth. That's Jesus' words, not mine. These are barriers that are in place to serve us. And it's time we break through these barriers. It's time we knock these barriers down. These barriers in my life, yes, in mine, and in yours. So how do we do that? How do we begin to break down some of these barriers, the barriers of selfishness, entitlement, barriers of apathy, immaturity? In order to break down the barriers, here in Philippians chapter 2, there are a few things that the Lord tells us, four things specifically that the Lord wants us to be able to do. The first is this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If we're going to break down these barriers of selfishness, apathy, and immaturity, we've got to adopt the attitude of Jesus. We've got to adopt what Jesus did. We've got to adopt the attitude that Jesus had. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We've got to adopt the attitude of Jesus. Now, um, those of you who've been around for any length of time, you, you, you probably know that I, I'm, a, I'm a baseball fan, and, 
And I like watching my team. I pull for my team. And because I pull for my team and I want other people to know it, and I want other people to um, know that my team was the world champions last year. Sorry, all you Yankee fans. But, you know, the, the team that I pull for, the Boston Red Sox, I have a, I have a shirt that says um, Boston Red Sox plastered down the front. I have another shirt that celebrates their, um, in 2018, their World Series victory. I have a hat. I even have some goofy-looking socks that Stafford gave me that I'm never going to wear out in public that say Boston Red Sox, real ugly-looking things. He, he might wear his. I don't wear mine. Uh, but, you know, I, I pull for my team because I'm on the team. I'm with my team. I want people to know that I'm for my team. I have no problem standing up and cheering for my team. Even when my team loses to the, to the dark side team, um, you know, I, I have no problem pulling for my team because they're my team. And I'm going to adopt some of the things of my team. I'm going to start wearing the colors of my team. I don't want to wear the colors of some other team. I want people to know this is my team. Well, you know, if I'm on the team of Christ somewhere in here, I've got to start adopting the attitude and the mindset of Christ. I've got to start doing the things that Christ did. You know, one of those commercials from a generation or two ago used to talk about Michael Jordan, and it said, this was the phrase, be like Mike. And all the kids just latched on to that. I want to be like Michael Jordan. I want to be like Mike. And so they started wearing, you know, Air Jordans and Chicago Bulls jerseys. And then when he did that goofy thing with baseball, some people even got his baseball jerseys. They wanted to be like Mike, and they started adopting the attitude of Mike. When are we going to start adopting the attitude of Christ? Now, what is the attitude of Christ? What is the mindset of Christ? What is the attitude that Christ had? Jesus Christ, who was and is, and always will be, God Almighty. He was there at the formation, the foundation of the world. He made all that was made, John chapter 1. Everything that you see, he made it. And Jesus Christ, who is God, was God, always will be God, became a servant to you. Into me. What kind of attitude does Christ call us to adopt? He wants us to adopt this attitude. What kind of attitude was Paul encouraging, the Holy Spirit through Paul encouraging the church in Philippi to start adopting this attitude? Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Who Though he was God, didn't want to be equated with God, he pointed people to the Father. He gave up his place to come in the form of a bondservant. If we want to break down barriers that keep us from serving, the very first thing that we've got to do is we've got to adopt the attitude of Jesus. Not I know, you've heard this phrase before, and it's a dangerous one to ask because sometimes when we ask this phrase, we don't have a biblical basis for it. But what did Jesus do? 
Some people say, what would Jesus do? And you can ask that as long as you understand what Jesus did. It's okay to say, what would Jesus do? WWJD. As long as we understand WDJD. What did Jesus do? Jesus was God, became a human baby being, and he grew grew up, and he gave himself, and he sacrificed all that he was. He had no personal selfish ambition. He knew who he was. He knew where he was going. He knew the, the promise that he had from the Father, and he was willing to lay everything down as a sacrifice for you. In other words, if I'm going to adopt the the attitude of Christ, if I'm going to adopt this attitude, here's what I've got, got to adopt. I've got to be willing to lay down all that I am, all that I have, all that I will be in order to serve other people. I know that is an absolutely radical concept in our society. It is an absolutely radical concept here in consumerized America. But this is what Jesus Christ calls us to do. Let this mind be in you, which was also in me, your Savior, your Master, God. I've got to adopt the attitude of Jesus. If I'm going to break down this barrier of apathy, immaturity, entitlement, I've got to abdicate my right and my authority. I've got to abdicate my right and authority. This mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of man. Jesus, who had all authority, all power, almighty God, became a servant for us. He gave away all his rights and all his authority. Now, when he ascended on high, he took that mantle back on, and at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, Jesus says, Lord. But Jesus, when he was here serving, when he was following the Lord's call and command, God's call and command for his life, he abdicated all his rights and his authority. But it's my right. The church should do this for me. I've given so much for the church. Well, I deserve this. I deserve to be treated better. I deserve more attention for what's been accomplished than what I've ever received here. I'm going to go somewhere else where they appreciate me more. Listen, my friend, that is a dangerous attitude to adopt. The Lord calls us to abdicate our rights and authority. Because when I want to cling to what I deserve, I'd better be careful. Because Scripture says that we have all sinned 
and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no, not one, and that that sin deserves death and hell. If I got what I really deserved, it wouldn't be accolades from other people. It wouldn't be honors from others. It wouldn't be attention from the church that I'm a part of. It would be death and hell. That's what I deserve. That's what the Bible says. So if I want to hold on to what I deserve, I'd better be cautious because the Lord, he's going to give to a lot of people exactly what they deserve because instead of choosing to abdicate their rights and authority and lay down their life and call him master and Lord and Savior, they have walked away from the grace that he's offered. To break down the barriers, we've got to abdicate our rights and authority. We've got to adopt the attitude of Christ. And we've got to adhere to the call, no matter the cost. Verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. and He became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. How much will this cost you? Everything. And let's stop sugarcoating it in church. Let's stop pretending that church is a carnival where we come and choose which rides we want to ride whether we have peanuts or cotton candy, whether we get to throw a few balls at some targets. Let's stop pretending that church is some kind of pick-and-choose buffet line. What will it cost you? Everything. What do you get? More than everything. We've got to adhere to the call, no matter the cost. If it costs me some time, if it costs me some inconvenience, what is that? What is that in comparison to what the Lord has already given for me? If it costs me some effort, if it costs me some money, some resources. What is that? What is that in comparison with what the Lord has already given me? We've got to adhere to the call no matter the cost. And I want to be straightforward. I want to be honest. What's it going to cost to follow this call of the Lord? It's going to cost everything. But the retirement plan is worth it. We have these barriers that we've thrown up there. We're kind of apathetic at times, kind of selfish at times. It's my time. I want to guard my time. I want to guard my family time. And At times, we just, we're a little entitled and a little immature. But we've got to break down these barriers. We've got to break down these barriers in this church. 
because we struggle with getting people to volunteer for everything. Whether it's working in our children's ministry, working in our preschool, working with our student ministry, being involved in our mission projects. We've shared some through the years, some incredible, amazing opportunities we have. One of the most amazing mission opportunities that we have had here at Newbridge Baptist Church. One of the most amazing ones that fell into our lap has been the opportunity to go to Elko Middle School. We get to go to a public school. And we get to go there, and we've got some connections there in the school, and, and we get to go in. We, we get to be involved with all kinds of programs to help with the kids, carry backpacks in. We get to put our own material, our own church's material into those backpacks and send them home with those kids before they start school. We get to go in and do some teacher appreciation for these teachers to be able to say, hey, your church friends across the parking lot just wanted to know, we appreciate what you do and that you're working here in a public school environment where it's not always easy. We have that opportunity. You know why you haven't heard much about the Elko partnership in the last six months, nine months? Because we've had to back off of that Elko partnership. And the reason is because we just don't have the volunteers. We don't have people stepping up. The Lord's opened the door wide. And we've been praying for laborers into the harvest. We've been praying for people to step up. We've been praying for people to come and say, you know what, this is so unique. We get to go into a public school. We get to share our church information. We get to share about Jesus Christ at the invitation of the public school across the parking lot. And the barrier is we don't have enough people who are willing to sacrifice some time. And that's just one example. That's just one. How much is it going to cost? Everything. How much do I gain? Everything and more. If we're going to break down these barriers, we've got to keep the goal in mind. We've got to aim for the goal, reaching the lost for Christ. We've got to aim for the goal reaching the lost for Christ. Out of all the ministries that we do here, out of all the ministries that are connected with a church, any church, this church, any church, how many of those ministries are going to affect a person's eternity? We've got some. We've got a lot. Through our Sunday school, our, our, we've got some adults who come to faith in Christ. Our worship, some adults come to faith in Christ. Through our student ministry, our children's ministry, uh, we have a great impact there. Our academy, we just, we just baptized nine kids from our academy this last week. Uh, we did that in their last academy chapel. These kids who had made a faith decision in Christ. And that wasn't all of them because some of them aren't connected with the church family anywhere and their family said, yeah, go ahead and do it in chapel. Some of them are connected with a church family and they wanted to do this at their own church. About 15 kids made a decision, a profession of faith for Christ at the end of this year. I mean, it's a critical ministry 
for reaching people with the gospel with that. But sometimes we've got some ministries that just, they're peripheral. And they don't necessarily aim for this goal, ultimately, reaching the lost for Christ. And while we need some of those, they're just not as vital as some of those that we have the opportunity to share the gospel with others with. Because after all, when I get to heaven, we're still going to have music. When I get to heaven, we're still going to have the Word of God. That'll last forever. When I get to heaven, we're going to have perfect fellowship. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to have great casseroles. It means we're going to have perfect fellowship, believer to believer. But when I get to heaven... There is not going to be one lost person left to share the gospel with. There will come a day when I get every note right with a song. It's probably not going to happen on this side of heaven, but it will happen there. There's going to be a day when I understand all truth and all mystery, all those things that are hidden in the Word of God, I will get it all. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. I will unlock all of the mysteries of the gospel, but it probably is not going to happen on this side of heaven. It will happen there when I know fully and completely. I'm going to get all the answers and all those things that I think I need to struggle over right now. I'm going to have them eventually. There are going to be great opportunities for fellowship. I want to spend time with my friends. I want to be in connection with them. I want to walk with them. Fellowship is fantastic. It's wonderful in the life of the church. God calls us to do it. We need to have fellowship together. We need to spend time encouraging each other, building each other up. But I get to do that for all eternity. The one thing that I don't get to do in heaven that the church needs to focus on here and now, right this minute, is sharing the gospel. And we need people to share the gospel. We need to love God through our worship. We need to learn together in our small groups so that we can serve others through missions and ministry, carrying the gospel to those who don't know Christ, sacrificing some of what I am, some of what I have, all of what I have. It will cost me everything. But what I gain in the end so much more valuable. This is the call. And at Newbridge, it's our burning desire that every person love God through worship, learn together in small groups, and serve others through missions and ministry. And my hope is that this becomes more than just a slogan, but it becomes the heartbeat of what we do. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, which challenges. Thank you for your word. that reveals your heart.
Lord, I pray today that in this time, in this place, that your Holy Spirit would quicken my soul to hear your call on me, on us. You would help us to break down these barriers that keep us from serving. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah.